Zlatan has blessed this podcast. Zlatan. Hello, Zlatan is here. Oh, Zlatan. I am Zlatan. <laughs> that, that, that animation with him is still like one of the best things ever. What do you want to do, Zlatan? He's the most Eastern European Swedish man of all time. He really is. There's there's nobody better. Oh, Zlatan. So, so yeah, well, uh, I, I, I'm sorry we could not pod last night, but I, I totally understand. Yes, I did not give that youngster to bed till after 10. Mm. And she still woke up like another time. <laughs> you know, it's like she wasn't scared of it. She was like, Daddy, it's so pretty. I'm like, God, just go to sleep. Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you? <sighs> like, that wasn't the point. <sighs> yeah, it's like, you know, I taught the child not to be scared, which was a good thing. Yeah. But he's just like, oh, it's so pretty. I want to stab and look at it. It's like, oh, God, no. It's not like a TV I can just cut off. Exactly. So, okay, lightning's over. Time for bed. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, jeez, Louise. Oh, 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 geez. Oh, oh man, what oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> You're just, we're just making noises now. Yeah, this is literally all I'm out, I'm out, I'm out for now, so. Oh, well... There's that should make for a very interesting episode of the all new sports show, the podcast. If it's just going to be you making noises, oh, it's so good. Oh, it's it's um, I I can't even think of how of how good it is right now. You're you're like Chewy right now. That's what you are. You're you're Chewbacca. That's actually a really good Chewbacca. Um, hi everybody, with that, welcome, welcome to the all new sports show, the podcast, where I guess we talk about sports sometimes, and Chewbacca, it's myself, I'm Edward Green, along with, of course, Wes Bradshaw, who's, who's just, uh, who's just making noises at this point. Uh, mm, mm. Yeah, like, like I said, uh, producer Des, will uh, we'll get on him, I'm sure, for that, thank you, and, uh, we'll, we'll try to actually have a, co- a cogent discussion about topics now. All right, got me a little tea in me. I think I'm good to go now. All right, good. What, what kind of what kind of tea is it? Um, it is uh, whatever the cheapest tea bags my wife can buy at the Piggly Wiggly. Oh, oh, very. I didn't uh, know if it was like mixed, Bojangles or something. Mixed with some uh, sugar substitute, man. It's my it's my own special recipe mm. that I make for myself since I'm the only person in my house who will drink tea. Oh, well, well, as, as long as it's good for you, that's what's most important. It's quite delicious, quite delicious. Uh, well, good. Uh, well, welcome everyone again to episode 15 of the All New Sports of the Podcast. Uh, we have a great episode for you here today. We are going to be talking some soccer as we wind down the transfer news, although a little bit of big news dropped today on the official side of things. Um, we'll have a couple stories for there. We'll talk uh, who we think are the summer transfer winners and losers for the Premier League. We will predict the top seven of the upcoming Premier League season, which starts this Saturday, and I'm so excited for. We'll also predict, hooray, huzzah. We'll talk about uh, who is also probably in danger of being part of the relegation four. Uh, We'll give you your Champions League and Europa updates, as well as also some others, uh, including the uh, Community Shield and the, uh, the Super Cup. 
the UEFA and German variations. Um, we'll also talk a few other sports stories. Uh, we'll have what might end up being the most depressing zeitgeist ever in the history of the world uh, as, as we just everybody's, get set. Everybody's dying again. It's really depressing. Like, really. And we're not even going to touch what's happening in Ferguson. That's that's a whole different podcast. But, man, the world sucks right now. Thank, thank God the Premier League is here to save us. Oh, man. Thank but uh, Thank God Europe's here to make things better, right? Oh, of course. And uh, we'll end the show, as always, as we get so raw, with, with maybe the most special edition we've ever had, except for what I'm sure will be trumped by next Monday's episode. Or by next week's one. When it's we re- bigger every week. Well, well, because something special is happening this Sunday, and we still got uh, as to as we take a little peek behind the curtain here for the the show itself. We gotta we gotta we gotta schedule a time to uh, pre-tape on Sunday. You do all right because I can't miss SummerSlam. That's true. Uh, so we will get to that. Uh, but first. Um, let's start off with putting ourselves over on social media. You well, can Eddie, find- before we start, I'd like to welcome tonight. We do have a live studio audience for the uh, podcast tonight. Oh God! Um, really? The boy is here. Hey, boy. Okay, he didn't. Oh, he said hey. Yeah. He said he's sitting in the living room as we as we pod at the moment, watching uh, iCarly reruns. I think we're on Sam and Cat now. Good times. Good times. So uh, welcome, uh, the boy, to the podcast. All right, uh, I'm, I'm. I can't wait to hear what his thoughts are on iCarly. It's, it's very important. He loves Sam. There you go. Um, so as we start, uh, we'll get the all new sports show. Now that I got my train of thought back, Twitter yes. at all new sports show at West Bradshaw twenty one at Edward Green. Facebook.com slash AllNewSportsShow. Uh, we're trying to update about that uh, about twice a day now uh, with either videos or just other kind of posts. So go check that out. Uh, Instagram is Instagram.com slash AllNewSportsShow. YouTube, click on everything there. YouTube.com slash TheAllNewSportsShow. Email us, AllNewSportsShow at gmail.com. And you can just plain old mail us at 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, Two seven eight zero four. All right, Wes. I'll tell you the still my dream in life is to is to be a mailman. It's um, whew, it's maybe a little unattainable, maybe a little up there, but you know, you uh, I, I can I can snap and go postal if need be. There you go, and uh, I I bet you could be the first one to uh to get one of those little scooters and put it in the back of your mail truck. So that you don't actually have to walk door to door dropping off people's mail. You just walk to the back of your truck, get on the oh. scooter, and just go. Well, I've got the hookup, you know. I've, I've I've got people. I've got connections for that. There you go. So be magical. Dream government. realized. I mean, federal benefits, working for the government. There is nothing more noble this day and age ever than working for the United States government. I'll tell you that much. Oh, of course. Oh, it'd be great. You. you you get no more respect than when people say, that's a federal employee right there. That's that's why Congress ratings are at an all-time high. I mean, come on. Everybody loves Congress. It's the best. Thanks, Obama. Um, so we're going to dive right now into uh, – we're going to go away from federalism and, and the United States and capitalism to uh, the, the empire that is England and talk about the Premier League transfers – we're going to talk about two big ones, uh, one for each of our teams. Uh, we will start with one 
that uh, left the pitch in Sevilla uh, with tears in his eyes is Alberto Moreno. He is going to head over to Liverpool, uh, and they have secured a deal for him. The medical is set for later this week. Um, it was mentioned that he he was on the pitch for their European Super Cup game against uh, Real Madrid earlier this week and then was told while he was actually on the field and left in tears. Um, of course, Wes, you are a Liverpool guy. We texted a little bit about this. How How is the excitement building? Have you got the thickening for Moreno? Oh, God, we've had the thickening all summer. We thought we were going to get Moreno before the World Cup ever started. And uh, about two or three times this summer, the deal has been off the table. It will not happen, but in the end, it does happen. Um, That has really been the trouble spot on the pitch for Liverpool since about 2008. Right. Uh, Actually, since Joan Arnarisa left Liverpool last. Um, Left back has really been been the tough position to fill. Yeah, Marina, you got a 22-year-old highly rated uh, Spanish international. He has been capped for the Spain team. Uh, a lot of people surprised he did not make the World Cup team. At this point, that might not have been a bad thing yes. for his resume. <laughs> you know, because, hey, he can always say, it wasn't my fault. I, I didn't get <laughs> um, So, you know, for Liverpool, it's a, it's a really, really good young prospect. I mean, you can never guarantee things are going to work out. Mm-hmm. But, um a really, really good, really good pickup for Liverpool because that mostly takes care of the depth issues that they were looking at coming into the summer. Yeah, I think I think that was the big issue. That was the big issue we even saw with them while while we saw them in Charlotte, and it was one of the big reasons I think that they they might not have actually won the Premier League last year was because of that back line and because of their ability to defend set pieces. So anytime you can really improve that, I think it's it's a great idea. Moreno, of course, is a great player. Like you said, probably maybe should have been on the uh, the World Cup team, but uh, but he doesn't have to have that stink on him now. And, and, and he's rested, too. So you know he's coming straight into camp fresh. Well, and also, Ed, you know, Liverpool not just stopping there in the last week, um, also securing a two-year loan deal, something you don't see every day, a uh, two-year loan deal for highly rated Atletico Madrid right back Javier Manquillo. Mm-hmm. Um, Manquillo, a 20-year-old, actually got the start against Borussia Dortmund this past Sunday in the friendly and was very impressive. So for Liverpool, you know, those two back spots were the toughies. Man, in, in about a week and a half, going to Spain, they might have figured it out. And uh, there's a clause in there for a, um, hopefully for an option to buy Manquillo on a permanent. Uh, you know, Liverpool might have solved the left and right back spot for the next decade. And and that's the key thing is is not is the next decade because we talked at length uh, last pod and a few others about how young Liverpool is. It it's all starts in the back. So if you can keep that pack consistent and strong and young, that's just going to help those young guys up front because that's just less that's less uh, doloing, as we would say. They can they can just run and run and run. Oh, we can run, run, run. Um, but I mean, now when you look at Liverpool, right now, really, other than Steven Gerrard is your first choice. I believe right now their oldest player, their oldest first choice player 
if you say that it's going to be Mamadou Sako and Dejan Lovren uh, at the back, um, other than Stevie G, I believe their oldest starting player is maybe 26. Probably, uh, if we pull and, up. And, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a it's a young, talented, hungry group. Liverpool's got them on good wages at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a ton, ton of optimism going around Liverpool. Well, that is good to hear, uh, and we'll see exactly where you're going to pick them to finish this year in the Premier League in just a few minutes. Uh, right now, we are going to shift over to the north side of London, uh, where Spurs have made a big deal today, finally closing in. Uh, I have been waiting for this deal to be finalized for about a week, <laughs> and it finally has been DeAndre Yedlin, the youngster that made a splash with the United States this summer at the World Cup and has been great for the Seattle Sounders, is coming to Tottenham. He is coming on, I believe, a four-year contract. Uh, it will not start until the 2015-2016 Premier League season. Mm-hmm. He will stay at Seattle the rest of the season, uh, which, of course, NMLS goes, I think, like March to November. <clears throat> so he will stay through the end of 2014 with them. And then I believe the plan is for him to basically... Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm actually not sure what he's going to do the first part of 2015. Um, but he's 20 years old. Uh, he's really, really fast. He, he's already got world-class ability and, and it really showed it during the World Club. Uh, also very good offensively. Some of his runs against Belgium and Portugal were outstanding. Um, and to be fair, just re-watching some of those highlights, I, I, I was some, like under the impression that we never actually had a shot on goal in the uh, in the Belgium game in the first 90 minutes. And when I saw highlights of him in that game, he actually created quite a few good opportunities when he came on, I think around the 30th minute mark when I believe Jeff Cameron was injured. Um, so I am just, I am super excited, even though I know it's it's a full season before he joins Spurs. I am super excited about DeAndre Edlin coming to the north side of London. I agree with you. Um, you know, I've talked highly of him the last couple of weeks. So, you know, maybe if the uh, Moreno deal never went through, you know, that might be a great option for Liverpool is to look at somebody like a DeAndre Yedlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I think he's he's got the pace. He's got some skill. He's got power. Uh, I think he's built physically for the Premier League. Um, you've just, the, I mean, the big thing, and I mean, what is he? He's 20, 21, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um you know, for a guy who has not played yet at that top level, and, you know, that's the one thing, Marino and Manquillo, that Liverpool have picked up. You've got guys there who have played at more of a top level than Yedlin, but Yedlin proved in the World Cup that uh, he definitely has the talent and the skill to be able to cope. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just he, he's just got to make sure he can put it together week in, week out, and if so – um, you know, Spurs and Liverpool have both really uh, addressed the the two backs, the right and left back this year, uh, this summer. Of course, also Tottenham picking up Davies yep. about a month ago. Now, uh, you know, Tottenham could be setting up their back line for the next ten years, which would be awesome. Uh, Yedlin actually gave this quote today. 
uh, when talking about playing against some of the top players in the world. Uh, he says world-class players like Azard, uh, obviously referring to Eden Azard, have their strengths, but they also have their weaknesses, and you just figure out how to exploit these weaknesses, and that's what I try to do. There are things you have to look at with those world-class players, but at the end of the day, they're not superheroes. They're still human. My God, that is refreshing to hear from a 21-year-old. It's just refreshing. Oh, it's just, it's, it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am so excited about Yedlin, though. I, I'm just, and, and this is obviously not the first American that's come over to Spurs. It's not even the first Seattle Sounder to come over to Spurs. Of course, Clint Dempsey uh, played with them for a few seasons. Brad Friedel's still on the team, and I might be picking up his away kit now. Um, but it's, it's going to be really interesting to see now, going forward, who will still kind of have a job? Because obviously, now Spurs actually might have a glut of defensive backs, uh, especially when he comes in next year. So it'll be interesting to see who goes. Um, and I need to pull up the roster so I can actually be somewhat informed as I talk about them. But it's. Well, I mean, I know you're always a big fan of uh, maybe the uh, culling of Jan Vertonghen. So. I'm I'm hoping his time with Belgium has, has strained him out a little bit, uh, and and will will prep him up and, and he'll be okay. Because if we can have him playing too, I, I I think that would just be fantastic. Uh, we have right now our fullbacks are Kyle Walker, Danny Rose, Kyle Naughton, Benoit Esso Ekito, uh, Ben Davies, and Ryan Fredericks. Um, so I'm I'm guessing probably probably Esso Ekito. Well, probably one of the ones to go. He's uh, already 30. He'll be 31 by the time next season starts. So I could see him leaving. Um, I could also maybe see one of either uh, Naughton, excuse me, or Walker also leaving. So, but I, I, I can't get over it. I'm just, I'm so thoroughly excited for him. It's, it's going well, to and, uh, and it's a great thing. I mean, you know, it is really good exposure for, yeah, really, the U.S. men's national team. Uh, Clinsey, God love that he's going to be a spur just like uh, uh, old man Clinsey was back in the day. Well, that uh, is, and you do joke a little bit, but that is, he, Yedlin did say he talked to Klinsman, and and we've, of course, mentioned how much Yet, uh, Klinsman wants his team to go overseas and challenge themselves. Klinsman's ecstatic that Yedlin's going to any Premier League team and, and even to a team that Klinsman himself also has history with in Spurs. Well, and, you know, that's something I'm sure I've gotten to feel Yedlin at least made a phone call to Jurgen, probably a couple, and said, hey, you know, uh, this is what I'm looking at. You know, I know you played there. What do you think? Tell me a little something about it. And I'm sure Klinsman, like you said, A, just thrilled that the player was willing to challenge himself because DeAndre Yedlin, after that World Cup, and coming up, he could have been one of the massive stars of MLS, without a doubt. You know, they love, you know, and, and they will push the American players, the U.S. national team players all they can. Yedlin could have comfortably settled into being just, you know, one of the biggest stars of MLS, but he's doing the right thing. He's, he's pushing himself and trying to become more world-class. I, I love it. I, I think there's still uh, definitely parts of his game he can grow on. Uh, I, think, I think at times he got caught a little upfield when, when he should have been heading back quicker, but it's, it's, you can't teach speed. 
and he has that. So if, if we can just get him perfected on just a few minor tweaks here and there, I think he could be one of the best uh, backs in the Premier League for a while. I tell you, I think I said it last week. I mean, he's built. He's built like a free safety. Yes. You know, I, I, and there was there was a really good article on him on Grantland in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically talking about how he's, you know, this maybe he's the new generation of star U.S. player. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, they were trying to say, but don't get too far ahead of yourselves. But one of the things, and I, you know, I've said this to you for years, um, and I think I've always said it if ever brought up to me, you know, in the United States, well, in, in England and Spain and Germany, the best athletes in the country are playing football, playing soccer. In the United States, our best athletes are playing football, they're playing basketball, and then the people who like to call baseball players athletes. Yeah, I said it totally tongue in cheek. Yes. Such a baseball guy, but still. <laughs> I mean, those three sports, I think the best athletes in our country, that's where they look first, are still those three sports. Um, so, you know, this DeAndre Yedlin, like we said, he's built like a free safety. You know, this kid could probably be playing you know, at the university of Washington, (laughs) if, uh, if he wasn't playing soccer. So these are the kind of guys that the U S need, they need to get, they need to exploit these big, fast, awesome athletes that they have. Um, and see if maybe those are the guys that help the U S take the next step. Is it, 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 could this be the first guy we finally see? Like you say, he's built like a free safety. Are we going to start seeing more, top-level athletes built like this go towards soccer? Like, we, we keep talking about, you know, retaining viewership for, mm-hmm. for, for United States fans. Could the, a byproduct of this World Cup also be, oh, well, if I'm, if I'm growing up, there is maybe a future for me as a soccer player where maybe five, ten years ago, yeah, I could make MLS, but I couldn't make the money that I would playing football or basketball or baseball but mm-hmm. now if i get really good i can not just play in america i can go play in england in the richest league in the world or in spain or in france or or wherever uh i agree with that um and also you know another thing hey if i'm a big time athlete man you know i, w- I want people to talk about me yeah. and right now people are talking more about soccer um i mean it's just even from four years ago, you know, four years ago, a lot of people fell in love with the sport. Well, I think even this year, I think that's expanding even more after the World Cup. People are falling in love with the sport. Um, and you're going to get more of those kids. And once again, coming off a of World Cup, you can never just expect that it's going to happen overnight. Right. But, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years down the line now, you know, you've got a kid who, when he's nine years old they're saying well do you want to play football or do you want to play soccer and he's looking at it, he's like well I, I kind of want to play soccer yeah and now you're going to get that kid who might end up being you know and i think we overvalue size here in the united states but you know you might get that six one 190 pound kid who runs a four three now who's going to play some soccer of course you know we value size over everything it seems even <laughs> though you know 
Raheem Sterling and Leo Messi are both about five foot six, five foot seven, and weigh about a buck fifty. So I, I think we will get used to that, but I think I think that could be what what defines American soccer players is is they are big and they are strong and they're athletic. And, and, and that truly is more German. Yeah, that's I mean, because true. you look at the German team, yeah. and they are big, they're strong, they're physical, they're fast, they're athletic as crap. Yeah, so so there's you can definitely play like that. Um, there there's nothing wrong with having some size. And hey, if if you're gonna copy somebody, it's you could do worse than copying the Germans. It's basically everything except uh, except their uh, government. Sometimes sometimes their government's a little shaky, but everything else. Germany's really good to copy. They make really good cars. We may be catching up dictator-wise. I'm sorry, did I bring politics into this? Never mind. No, no, not doing it. We are going to quickly move on to another dictator, uh, and that is the Iron Sheik over at uh, Manchester City, making two crucial signings for his team this week, two five-year deals for um, uh, David Silva as well as the namesake of our group here, Vincent Company, also getting a new five-year deal from City. Uh, quickly, just to uh, give your thoughts on how that benefits City going forward. Obviously, keeping two very key components of a team that's won two of the last three titles. Well, Silva's their key playmaker. He's the one who sets up most of their goals. So that's a it's a good sign it's a good signing for city of course city is at a point where city can go pretty much sign just about anyone they want true um company company is special for them for the simple fact company is not uh, contrary you know maybe to what some people just may think off the top of their head company is not one of these new money guys for them company nope. was actually signed before the sheik took over at man city so you know he was brought in at the beginning of everything even before you know the robinho signing that kind of signified hey we're here to spend a ton of money you know company's a guy who um he 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 paid his dues right and he has become the heartbeat of uh city and as I'm about as far as you'll find from a city fan, our company's a guy that I really, really respect. And of course, I mean, hey, we we named our we named our group after company. So yep, um, you know that that shows respect from us, even though for neither of us is he anywhere near being on our favorite team. Exactly. Uh, neither of us are Man City fans, and yet I, I almost I would almost say for him I would liken him to uh, Mariano Rivera. Uh, yep. On a team that I really don't care for, and yet I have, he's the only player on that team that I have just a tremendous amount of respect for. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, every Yankees fan is out there is like, what about Derek Jeter? What about Derek Jeter? Uh, it's, he gives a really nice gift basket to the ladies in his life. I know that. Exactly. Uh, I but if you're talking about true respect, I there was something about Rivera where as, as mad as I would get when they would win, I, could, I never hated Mariano Rivera. I no. have hated many a Yankee. I have never, ever hated Mariano Rivera. So good good on company, getting what he deserves. Um, he was the heartbeat of that Belgium team. He was somebody that uh, Belgium really wanted to try and count on for, for bringing that team together. Uh, we, we heard before the World Cup a lot of different – just Belgium such a melting pot and a lot of different cultures – company with someone who is really seen to try and bring that group together 
and to an extent he did the sort of the same thing at Man City and has really really brought that group together which as much as you hated it a little bit to see him score in that final game of the last Premier League season was was a little special to watch. Oh, yeah, um, he is he is a consummate captain at both yes. club and international level. Uh, you know, company that's him. He is a captain. He is the captain. Um, great guy, great player. You know, like you said, one on a team that we don't neither of us care for by any means. Uh, just a guy that we really both respect and um, just have somewhat utmost good feelings for. That said, I hope City loses every game this year. If you score against Liverpool, you can go straight to hell. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, speaking of City losing games, uh, let's let's talk about some actual games. We haven't been able to do this for a while. Uh, we will start off with, with the most important uh, title ever won by Arsenal. Uh, their 13th Community Shield. They win it with a 3-0 beatdown of Man City. Should be said, uh, that was a, a Man City team that did not really start many of their top players. Uh, in fact, Willie Caballero started and goal ahead of Joe Hart in this game. Um, that's not an upgrade. So sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. I think uh, some city, some city fans think that may be an upgrade for the season. So. Yes, of course. Uh, for those of you new listeners, uh, for for and who aren't clued into the Premier League like we've become. Uh, the uh, Community Shield is the winner of last season's League Cup versus the winner of last season's FA Cup. Well, and, well, not League Cup, just the winner of the League. Oh, I thought it was the winner of the League Cup. No, no, no. It's, it's oh. the League winner versus the FA Cup winner. Oh, I'm sorry. I See, I'm I'm still learning, apparently. I thought, but, but City did win the League Cup, though, true. Yeah, they just did, they okay. did have to win that, but, uh, oh. you know. Portsmouth isn't playing in this tournament. That's true. <laughs> in this match, yeah. and they and they managed to avoid Wigan. So yeah, exactly. No Wigan this year. So that was good. Uh, Olivier Giroud uh, had the third goal on uh, in the hour mark. What what do we take away from this? Do we put anything into this result? Uh, can Arsenal use this as a springboard, or should we just say, whoa, 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 let's calm our jets? These were two teams that didn't feel their strongest sides. If anything, this just means Arsenal's 1B team is better than Man City's 1B team. I mean, what it really means is that, um, you know, in in the Arsenal world right now, what this really means is that uh, Wenger is back to being the uh, greatest manager on earth, um, and that includes all Fortune 500 companies and uh, God, Buddha, and Allah. Uh, um, at every turn, um, man, they've played two true matches, won two trophies. How dare anyone ever say that Wenger was washed up? He oh. has an FA Cup and a Community Shield to prove them wrong. Uh, that said, they're Arsenal. <laughs> they're they're playing for fourth. Uh, Pellegrini uh, even said after the game, uh, "My team weren't ready uh, to go in this match." Uh, I, and I can't imagine why they would be. I, I, I assume City have bigger bigger fish to fry. They obviously are going to try to repeat as league champs. They have two tournament, domestic tournaments to play as well as 
uh, I believe, I'm not sure exactly when their part of the Champions League starts, if I can pull it up here. Uh, their starts the 16th slash 17th of September. So they're about one month away from, from joining the Champions League. They, they obviously have more important things to worry about than the Community Shield. So I, I can't see anything wrong with Man City for losing this match. Just no, um... You know, City, like you said, they, they've got a lot of guys that they haven't really gotten back into the groove yet. Right. Um, they'll they'll be fine once things start. Um, now, that said, we'll get to it a little later. I don't have them winning the league this year. Oh. But I still, I mean, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yes. Um, moving over to the Super Cup, UEFA. Uh, some guy named Chris Ronaldo. Uh, score twice in Real Madrid's win over Sevilla in the wonderful city of Cardiff, England. Uh, he scored along with uh, playing alongside new recruits James Rodriguez and Tony Cruz. Uh, Gareth Bale had an assist on the first goal to Ronaldo. Uh, last, they joined the last five UEFA Super Cup winners, including Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, and Barcelona. Uh, those last two actually have each won it twice in the last five years. So for Madrid, uh, do we take anything away? And, and of course, the Super Cup pits last year's Champions League winner against last year's Europa winner. So two Spanish sides contesting that in, in over in England. Um, a springboard for Real Madrid, or it was Sevilla, while a good side, let's not get too excited. Well, apparently, um, from what I've read, Madrid have hopes of winning six pieces of hardware this year, and Ooh. this was this was number one. Um, of course, that includes uh, the let's think, uh, I believe it was called the Copa del Rey, mm -hmm. which is kind of their version of the FA Cup. Um, they want to win the league, um, and they want to win the Champions League. And then I really can't tell you the other two in there. I just saw something today saying they were hoping to win six cups this year. Uh, I would guess they're in the um, the uh, like World Club Cup Championship. Well, let's let's see let's see if I can actually find this. Yeah, see if you can find everything you're supposed to be in this year. Uh, the World Club Cup Championship uh, actually pretty a uh, really cool thing. Yes. Um, it actually brings together the champions of the. Uh, you know, the different major competitions, you know, such as, uh, of course, the uh, Champions League, um, I believe the uh, Pacific Champions League, um, Copa Libertadores. Okay. Here we go. I got, I got you here. Go uh, they've, they've won the Super Cup. Yep. They want to retain the Champions League. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they want to retain, because they won last year, thanks to Gareth Bale, the Copa del Rey. Okay. Uh, they are they are in the FIFA Club World Cup, okay. and they are in something called the Supercopa de España, and so the league the the prem the, the La Liga would make six. Okay, uh, I think Copa de España. That's kind of like the um, the uh, Carling Capital One Carling uh, League Cup. It's it's no, it's it's actually the it's actually close to the Community Shield. It's okay. the uh, the winners of La Liga and the Copa del Rey. Okay. So, oh, so that'll be a... Atletico. It'll be a repeat. Madrid Derby. That'll be nice. It, it'll, be a, it'll be a replay of the last Champions League final, actually. Fantastic. All right. Well, yeah, so I knew I'd seen something right in there. 
Yeah, it would help if I click on these links I see sometimes. Of yeah. course, clicking on links I see sometimes has got me in trouble in the past. That, so I try to, you know, think before I click. But I mean, that would that would literally be maybe the most amazing haul ever. Yeah, it would. <laughs> and I, you know, the thing is, I don't think anyone expects them to win all six. No. But really, truly, they get four. all six kind of on the table for them. I mean, yeah. Can't you, couldn't you legitimately see them winning all six? Yeah, I th- I think the I think the hardest one honestly would be the Champions League. Um, I I think they actually are probably the favorites to win the league. Uh, I think they're one of maybe two favorites to win the Copa del Rey. Um, I I don't know who's in the Club World Cup, but I'd have to assume they'd be the favorites for that. Um, and right now I just looked up the su- this year's Super Copa de España. Actually, it's a two-leg affair, uh, uh-huh. the first of which is going to be played next Tuesday, and the second of which is next Friday. So this is, this is, this is next week. And, and they, they do do theirs as a two-leg. They, they've done that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's typical. I mean, that'll, I mean they, could, they could jump right off and get them some more. Of course, uh, if they had found a way to win the most prestigious of every competition they were in this year, the Guinness uh, International Champions Cup. Of course. Uh, man, could you could imagine a lucky number seven? Oh, it would have been tremendous. Um, we should mention then also, to the uh, the Club World Cup uh, is being held from the 10th to the 20th of this December in Morocco. So far, uh, the teams that have qualified are Real, uh, mm-hmm. Cruz Azul from Mexico and CONCACAF, uh-huh. Auckland City, out of Oceania, the Oceania Conference there from Australia, and uh, Mokreb Tetuan, uh, they are the uh, CAF representative, and they are they are basically considered also the host. We still need a uh, winner of, of the, tw- the CAF, the uh, African Federation. Yes, uh, we we yeah. still also need another African Federation team though. Uh, we need the winner of the 2014 CAF Champions League. Mm-hmm. We need a winner of the 2014 AFC Champions League, uh, which is the Asian tournament. And uh-huh. then we need the winner of the Copa Libertadores, which is the Champions League for Colmebol, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, so that we're still waiting on about almost half the teams for the Club World Cup. But I, I don't think anybody's going to walk in there with a better team than Real. So. Well, but the thing is, sometimes you've got to be very careful with that. You know, everyone always assumes the European teams go in as the favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely years where the European teams do not win the. Um, oh, sure. Famously, Chelsea uh, a few years ago to win in the Champions League, I think, went down there and maybe did not win a game. I might be wrong on that, but I believe they didn't win a game. Had a really tough time down there. Uh, well, last year, uh, also in Morocco, Bayern Munich won. Mm-hmm. Um, Two years ago, Chelsea were runners up to okay, Corinthians. <laughs> no, it's fine. no, it's fine. I'm gonna actually keep going back a little bit. Uh, they finished runner up to Corinthians out of Brazil mm-hmm. uh, in 2011. Barcelona won uh, with Santos finishing runner up. Mm-hmm. The UEFA, oh, the Barcelona, of course, the was the UEFA representative that year. Um, Interna- uh, Internazionale. Uh, the Italian side won in 2010. Internacional, the Brazilian side, actually finished in third place in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, do, 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 do anybody else? Uh, Barcelona won in 2009. This is fascinating. Now we got to see when Chelsea was uh, 
actually could have finished last. Uh, United won in 2008. Well, now I may be totally off on that because, uh, of course, Chelsea's only won Champions League once. I was just thinking Chelsea. Maybe they, I remember they just had a tough time and yeah. you know didn't play their retention with that. Obviously, they did not win, so... Well, well, now, now I'm curious. Now, now this is why we we should we should do more research for it because now I'm just like getting sucked down this Wikipedia hole. Um, let's see. They they beat they they went straight in at the semifinals uh, as they are wont to do, being from UEFA. They beat Monterey out of Mexico three uh, one, and then lost to Corinthians one nil in Yokohama, Japan. Um, so. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Go, back, go back, see if uh, see if you can see when Liverpool played in it. I believe that would have been two thousand five. Okay, uh, let me. Two thousand six. Yeah. I'm trying to think which one they would have played in. I believe it would have been the two thousand five one. Let's. We got to go back in time. We got to go back in time. And this is so great. Uh, let's see. Two thousand seven was Milan. See, they were good once. 2006 was Internacional from Brazil. 2005 was Sao Paulo, where Liverpool played. That's right. Okay. Liverpool finished second that year to Sao Paulo. That's right. Uh, and, of course, 2007, that was uh, Liverpool had lost AC Milan in the Champions League final. And uh, Milan won. Well, okay, so the, the mostly, yes, the European teams do well in it. Mm-hmm. But there are times where your European teams go and lay an egg, or by laying an egg, I mean they don't win. So. Yeah, it does. It does look like the strongest sides are either the UEFA sides or the Conmebol sides, and mm-hmm. recently by Conmebol we basically mean Brazil. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, as far as matches that weren't uh, had no importance to them, besides uh, to their rabid fan bases, United picked up a two-one win over Valencia on Monday. Uh, Marwan Fellaini, who was mocked and derided openly by the Old Trafford faithful for most of the match, ended up being the difference maker as he put in the late goal to get United the win. Uh, And when we say put in, uh, Valencia's keeper, when going out to punch a cross at the top of the box, actually ran into one of his own defenders. They both fell down, and the cross fell in Fellaini's lap, and he put it in the empty net. As much as he tried to screw it up. he (laughs) He, He just couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. Uh, Darren Fletcher also had a goal for United in that match. Um, over at Stamford Bridge, uh, Diego Costa had a brace and a 2-0 win for Chelsea over Real Sociedad. Uh, Costa, of course, came over from Atletico Madrid in July, uh, and he is already making his presence felt over Jose Mourinho. Uh, any quick thoughts about those two matches? Either one, uh, fan ha 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 of course, remaining undefeated in his brief time here at Man United. I mean, no, there's not really a lot to say. I mean, it is preseason. I mean, if I wanted to get on a preseason tear, you know, we talk about Liverpool demolishing Borussia Dortmund, which to me is a much more impressive win than either of those for those teams. (laughs) Uh, Of course, Dortmund turning around uh, today and, you know, winning the German Cup or DFL, whatever they call the thing. I can't yes, remember. I would get to that right now. Uh, you know, they, so, they do. Yeah, they do. So, win. I mean, if you want to get, you know, technical, that said, do I really think that on a, you know, on a neutral field in a European night that Liverpool is 4 nothing better than Dortmund? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, and and that's that's what's important. Uh, 
Borussia also, as you mentioned, uh, might have been saving a little bit for the DFL Super Cup. Uh, a contentious rivalry, of course, with Bayern Munich. Borussia does come out on top of this one. 2-0 with goals by, and get ready for this one. Uh, Mkhitaryan Mich- and Agabayong. Jesus. Come on, dude. Yeah, those guys. Pierre-Emerick Abayamo. I can't say once. Mkhitaryan was a uh, major Liverpool target last summer that we lost to Dortmund, and uh, Agabayam has been on the uh, the rumor list some this summer. So. Uh, also, <laughs> also, only for completely selfish reasons do I know these names. Got you. Well, also as part of that uh, Borussia Dortmund team, Zlatan wins a title. It's not our Zlatan though. It, this was Zlatan Alomerovic. So. He's a backup keeper for Borussia Dortmund. Only 23. He, he, he will, apparently, he is going to be sued for um, having the gall to call himself Zlatan. How, how dare he call himself Zlatan? Dare your mother name you that 25 years ago? He, he Obviously, he needs to change the Z to an S to avoid copyright infringement. God, I'm naming my next child Zlatan. Uh, also, uh, we were just talking about uh, the World Cup, uh, Club World Cup. Uh-huh. And uh, us needing the uh, the Conmebol representative, West Bradshaw. We can break news. We just got the Conmebol representative. Oh God, I'm excited. Uh, San Lorenzo San Lorenzo of Argentina beats Nacional of Paraguay one nil two one on the aggregate to win the 2014 Copa Libertadores. So San Lorenzo will be heading to Morocco this December to take part in the Club World Cup. Welcome to the big dance, boys. There you go. Punch uh, your tickets. Yeah, I need I need to throw one thing in here. I think we talked we did talk our transfer news earlier, but just the rumor of the moment going around Merseyside. And what would you think of this? This is a guy who uh, brings opinion with him everywhere. Uh, Liverpool in search of a uh, another striker to mostly to back up uh, Daniel Sturridge, looking for Ricky Lambert maybe to be our third. Um. Samuel Eto'o. I I did hear about that. I was I was very surprised, and I I, I didn't know why Liverpool go, going with the youth movement would have interest in a ninety four year old man. Well, and now the deal is, um, as he you know ninety four now turns one hundred and seventeen later this year. Um, you know, Eto, it, it would absolutely it would be a one year deal without mm-hmm. a doubt. Uh, and basically it would be a stopgap. Of course, Liverpool, the only real transfer, I guess, downers they've had this summer, uh, they have missed some targets in the in the striking department. Of course, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, Loic Remy, who was all but signed, sealed, and delivered for Liverpool at the last minute, failed his physical with a heart defect. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have that would have really been a that was a perfect signing for Liverpool. That was exactly what they needed. To add, um, I remember I personally called him the poor man Suarez. Yes, but that wasn't going to happen. Uh, you know, there have been others they've looked into. Marco Royce from Dortmund doesn't look like he's going to move this summer. Um, you know, different names have been bandied around. I'm I'm a big fan of Lacazette, uh, who plays in France right now. Um, don't know if they're really going to do anything on that front. I think that would be a great signing. Uh, they signed Divock Arizzi, of course, and immediately have loaned him back to Lille for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, great signing for the future, but this season not going to help you. Uh, Edison Cavani's name is out there. 
I, I just I don't know if Liverpool's going to drop 40, 40 to forty five million pounds right. on a you know on a on another striker who you're you're saying probably isn't your number one striker. Yes. <laughs> um, so you know you've got Eto out there. He's available on a free. He's out of contract at Chelsea. The problem with Eto, you're going to have to pay him a lot in salary, and Eto kind of has the um, reputation as being a mercenary. Yes. So you know is is this really the right guy to bring into the locker room? But I tell you though, just purely based on his skill, you know, Eto, while he may be 343 years old mm-hmm. um, and dine with Abraham Lincoln uh, when Lincoln was a child, um, he's still got some pace. Yeah. And he, if nothing else in this world, that man knows how to put a a football into the old onion bag. He yeah. knows how to do it. He, um. Yeah, he did it against Spurs I mean, I, last I, year. I mean, I, be, I believe. Well, what, what was that again? I'm sorry. I said he did it against Spurs last year. I mean, I think he had like nine in maybe 20 for Chelsea last year. And that, of course, is a Chelsea who was not exactly what you would call an attacking team. Right. But him in Liverpool? I mean, I believe if he played 20 matches at Liverpool, I think you could you could realistically look for a dozen goals from him, if not more. Um, it's a signing that really has Liverpool fans kind of split. Well, mm-hmm. I rumor that has them split. I'm not definitely not saying he's signed yet. Right. Um, there is, you know, there's definitely people on each side of the fence. I'm, I'm of the opinion, hey, if he helps out this year, if he's going to score goals, let's bring him in because you know Sturge is going to hurt that hamstring sooner or later. I, I was, I was going to make a crack that uh, Chelsea are doing this because they can't have uh, more than one uh, player from the African nations now that Drogba is back on their team. Uh, but I didn't realize they also have John Obi Mikel. So so that, that joke doesn't work. And, you know, it would also it would bring an African to Liverpool. Now, I'll bite, uh, you know, of course, Eto born before the Continental Divide. So I guess you could really <laughs> still say he was African, even though he's uh, 964 years old. Um, I guess he still falls into that group, uh, still playing internationally, of course, for the Cameroons. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know. I'm just. I think I'm of the opinion. If we can't, if if we don't go for Lacazette, um, I, w- I I could I could see going for it. Well, we'll see how that shakes out here. Just uh, a few days, of course, here before the start of the Premier League season, and just a few more weeks in the transfer period uh, for the summer. Uh, I believe that actually ends the last day of August, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct, uh, sir. August 31. So we will see uh, if they can get a deal done before then. Uh, Before we predict the Premier League, one last quick update about champions in Europa Leagues. Um, Right now we are in the playoff round for both. Those will be starting uh, next uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, the first legs of the uh, Champions League playoffs. Uh, Some key matches will be Besiktas versus Arsenal, uh, Standard Liege versus Zenit St. Petersburg, uh, Copenhagen versus Bayer Leverkusen, of course, a match you'll have a little interest in. Lille versus Porto, uh, which could be good to check on Divac Origi, as you mentioned. Uh, Napoli versus Atletico Bilbao, which I think should actually be a very fun game. And uh, one that, you know, no, uh, uh, one team we don't really know, but one team we talked a little bit about last week, uh, Maribor of the from Slovenia, uh, we'll be taking on uh, Celtic. <laughs> I think they're called Celtic. Yeah, I, I, I believe they're also taking on Brickleberry FC. Um, well, and this, of course, coming on the heels of uh, 
Celtic slash Celtic actually losing six to one on aggregate. Yes, but it doesn't matter because Bartosz Berzinski uh, was an ineligible player for Legia Warsaw uh, Celtics team. They played in the third qualifying round, so they actually Basically, give them. They brought in an ineligible. This is what happened. It was a defender who last year in Europe, I believe in the last game he had played, he received a yellow card that um, had added up enough that he had to, he was suspended for, um, for a game, for a match. Mm -hmm. That carried over. He came into the match literally like in the 87th minute of the second leg mm -hmm. when it was already six to one aggregate. So, I mean, it's not like he played any part in doing anything. Yeah. But bam, automatically that's an ineligible player. Here's the awesome thing. I just clicked on the player's uh, Wikipedia page. Uh, mo there's an entire paragraph about this entire si this exact situation. Uh, if I read it, uh, Berezinski was sent off in the last round of the 2013-14 UEFA Europa League group stage and was suspended for the next three European matches. Mm -hmm. He he did not feature in the second round nor the first leg of the third qualification round in the UEFA Champions League, which was their match against Celtic. However, as his club failed to include him in their squad registration for the second round matches, he had not finished his suspension when he came on as a sub in the 86th minute in the, in the return league against Celtic FC. Uh, Legio won the match 2-0 and 6-1 on aggregate. Uh, however, after considering the mistake, UEFA, UEFA set the result to a 3-0 win for Celtic. This made the Scottish team winners on aggregate. And, you know, just, just more absolutely fantastic writing in the world of football. I mean, these are... <laughs> and what's great about it is that it's come out this week that Warsaw has asked Celtic to, quote, do, quote, the gentlemanly thing <laughs> and just uh, turn down and say that, no, you should put Warsaw back in. It has also been bandied about that they should have a one-game playoff uh, to see who gets the spot. <laughs> It's it, they shouldn't even do that. They should just put Warsaw back in. This is this is stupid. I I well, understand. And I, well, and I'll say this: just the closest thing to a personal experience I can come up with here. All right, uh, let's go to the world of high school football. I believe it was two thousand seven. Uh, Rocky Mount opened their season against um, Eastern Alum. No. Oh, somebody. I remember Danny O'Brien was the quarterback, though. Mm -hmm. um, Rocky Mount basically ran them off the field. I believe final score was somewhere 48-14. to 14. Uh, Two weeks later, it was discovered that Rocky Mount's third-string fullback had not had his physical done. And therefore, Rocky Mount had to, uh, had to forfeit game one. The, the young man played the last three plays of the game. Awesome. And Rocky Mount officially lost the game two to nothing. That is that is so, so crazy. There is a precedence. Uh, obviously, the precedence is in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. But no, I mean, <laughs> you use an ineligible player, you face the consequences, man. I can't. Man. Yes, it's silly. It's petty in this uh, in this you know example. But it's 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 the way it is. It's it's just weird, but all those teams, Celtic included, will have a chance to advance to the group stage 
of the Champions League where they will be joining teams like Real Madrid, Chelsea, Juventus, and Liverpool. And those matches, I believe those matches start in October uh, for the group stage. Uh, no, they actually start in September. Excuse me. August, August 28th is, our, um, is the draw. You are correct. That will take place in Monaco uh, for all six match days, which will take us through uh, December 10th. Uh, was when we will finish the Champions League group stage. And then a few days after that, we'll have the draw for the round of 16, which will just be so much fun. Uh, over in Europa, a few uh, playoff round matches to keep your eye on. Uh, not that there's that many teams we follow, but of course, Tottenham Hotspur will be taking on AEL Limassol. They are a team out of Cyprus. Uh, so they will be playing them on August 21st and August 28th. Uh, Hull City also in the playoff round for the Premier League. They will be taking on Belgium side Lokeren on August 21st. And uh, I believe that's the only ones we'd really need to keep our eye on. I don't know if you have any other uh, Europa sides you you wanted to focus on. Mm. Not really, not really on it. So nah. Um. I there. I will say there is a team from Switzerland called Young Boys. Oh, the Young Boys. Yes, they're usually in and out of Switzerland. How how awkward is that if you're if you're if you're a Swiss fan just chanting out "I love Young Boys." Well, it depends on uh, just how Swiss you might be. Very very. All right, moving on from that before we get in trouble with the law, let's do some predicting, Wes Bradshaw. We, we've talked, we've studied the transfer market ad nauseum over the last couple weeks since the World Cup ended. Now let's finally break it down. Who are you predicting will finish in the top seven this year in the Premier League, and who are your top four candidates for relegation? All right, uh, let's start down at the bottom. Um... Just looking at it, I think there's a few team. There are a few teams who truly were lucky to survive the drop last year. Yes, uh, I think you've got some pretty good teams coming up from the championship. Therefore, uh, my bottom four, which uh, bottom three, will be relegated. Uh, finishing at the bottom of the table, I have Burnley, who is a newly promoted side. I just don't think Burnley's going to have quite the firepower. I think they're going to find it tough sledding. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a couple that are going to leave you going, wow, uh, I believe West Brom and Swansea are going to take the drop this year. Ooh, ooh, very interesting choices. Who's uh, Who would be your fourth Who would be your fourth uh, choice? One just missing relegation. This is another one that, a, you know, four or five months ago, you would have said you're crazy. I think it's going to be the uh, completely revamped Southampton. I, I as soon as you started talking about it, I, I knew that's where you were going to go. Yeah. I don't think they'll finish that low, but that's not that's not crazy. It's not crazy. Uh, and also down there, you know, I could see the Aston Villas of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think other than that, I think you know uh, QPR. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I think they're kind of galvanized from their year down in the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leicester. I've just got a good feeling about Leicester. I think Sunderland's going to be a little better, especially when they pay Liverpool $14 million for Fabio Barini. If that <laughs> happen, that would be great before they remember what they're doing. <laughs> I think West Ham will be comfortable. Um, I think Newcastle could have some struggles, mm-hmm. but I think in the end, Newcastle will be okay. Um, your Stokes, your Hulls, I think they're going to be all right. Um, Crystal Palace, I think they're they're going to sit right there in the middle. They'll be just fine. Okay. Um, 
My top seven, I'm going to go seven down. Okay. I'm going to go number seven. I'm going to say Everton, the Toffees. Uh, and it's not because they haven't tried to get better. It's just, you know, the, the, the two big guys that they've brought in were two guys who played for them last year. True. So, you know, it's not exactly like they're new. They are new signings, but it's not like they're fresh faces, really. Right. Um, I think Everton's going to be good. They're going to play some really good football this year, which, yeah, you don't really associate that with Everton. A year two under Spanish Bob, um, you know, Barkley, Coleman, Lukaku, Kukaku, 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 and, of course, Gareth Barry kind of pulling the strings in midfield. They're going to be fun to watch. Uh, and then Timmy Howard, of course, in the back uh, as the keeper. I just don't think they've got quite enough firepower to break into Europe this year. Uh, number six, sorry, Ed, but i got to put the Tottenhammers there. Okay. Um, I think a, another year out of your group being together is a good thing. I think you've had some good, solid signings. I just don't believe that you've you've got a world beater yet. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you have that one guy on the team who is going to drag you out. Right. Is going to drag you in and win games that you need to win to really move up. I believe, and, you know, once again, I just think the five above them have just, they're strengthening so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost wonder if Tottenham kind of missed their chance last summer when they brought in a lot of players, but. Most of them just overall weren't quite as good as we thought they were going to be. Right. Um, number four and five, this is the tough one I had. I flipped them. I flipped them. But right now, just because I hate them so much, I'm going to put Man U at number five. Uh-huh. Um, Van Hall, I think, is a fantastic coach. Ooh, God, I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit saying that. I think he's a really good boss. My biggest problem with United is actually Ed Woodward, their main executive. Um, he just, to me, you know, they're they're linked with all these great players, but they're not getting any of them in. Right. Yeah. Now that said, by this time next week and the week after, I may be changing my tune here some. Mm-hmm. But right now, I mean, they've brought in their big signings. They brought in Luke Shaw, who, you know. Is the future England left back, and he's going to be really good for a long time to come. I don't. I just don't think he's stepping in and making them great this year. We should also uh, mention real quick, Luke Shaw promptly has gone down with an injury. He'll be out for the first month. That's right. He's out for a month now. And then uh, Ander Herrera, not to be confused with everyone's favorite Herrera, Wet Herrera. Yes. Um, you know, he's a really good player. He's He is the signing that they've needed in midfield for a long time. Um, I just, I almost think for, for Van Hollen, he's not happy about this. He was expecting to be able to clear some guys out and go to work. At this point, it just hasn't happened yet. Um, but a week for Manchester United, a week can uh, really change things. But as for right now, I think United are fifth. And I think, um, I think they're fifth based on Van Hall dragging them up there. Okay. Uh, fourth. There's only one team that finishes fourth. In the yes. Arsenal. That's oh, Arsenal. We know oh, that's yeah. happening. Um, they'll pull it out last day of the season. Uh, the champagne will uh, never taste as sweet as it, as it tastes when you secure uh, Champions League qualification round. 
qualification. Nice. Uh, number three, uh, I'm going with the Mighty Reds. I'm going with Liverpool. Uh, losing Suarez. At the end of the day, losing Suarez is tough because he is a proven world-class match winner. Mm-hmm. I feel Liverpool overall is a better team than they were a year ago. Uh-huh. Uh, much more depth, much more, uh, many more options for um, for Brendan Rodgers. Um, you know, just something I saw just today, I think I read, at this point, you know, at, at the end of last season, if Brendan Rodgers went to his bench, he had Iago Aspas, Al- um, Alberto, oh, God, I've forgotten the guy's name. He was so good. It's not, uh, it's, it's Lu- not good is, is the answer. Luis Alberto and Victor Moses. Yeah. Those were his options to come off the bench. Today, once he's healthy, you're sitting on Adam Lallana, Lazar Markovic, um, you know, Jordan Ivey. Yeah, however you want to set that team up, he has so many more options right now. Um, Liverpool, I think they'll score less goals this year. I believe they'll concede less goals. I believe at the end of the year we could say this Liverpool team is better than last year, but they finished third. Also, throw in the fact that you do have you're going into Europe. Um, Liverpool most likely going to be in a brutal right. uh, Champions League draw, which means if you finish third in that draw, you go to Europa. Yes. So and you know, of course, as you know very well, that's yeah. not always the easiest thing to navigate. No. So I think Europe somewhere may take somewhat of a toll on the Reds, and I've also got to believe that this year with the depth. I've got to think Brendan Rodgers is going to maybe try to make a push at least in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I think this could be a better Liverpool team, but I don't see, I don't see, um, I don't know if we can break above Chelsea and City this year. Okay, who's your top two? Top what, two? what order is your top two? I should say because we know uh, who your top two is. Oh well, I mean, obviously, winning the league is Newcastle <laughs> and Crystal Palace oh, in second. <laughs> And Crystal Palace in second, of course, is the year of the Pulis. Um, no, I've actually I flipped them this year. Uh, last year I picked City to win it, Chelsea to finish second. This year I don't know what it is. I think it's the um, I think it's just Marino being a horrible human being. But I think this is his year to win the league again. I think Chelsea wins it. City's going to be a very close second. Um, God, that smug Marino win the league sickens me. But I think Chelsea wins it. I am going to go ahead and break a little suspense. Uh, my top three is exactly the same as your top three. Uh, I believe Chelsea are, are right now. I, I, I believe I saw on ESPN FC uh, yesterday uh, this statistic against top four opponents last year. So Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Arsenal. In games they all played against each other. That's six matches. So you would expect the, be, the best you could expect to get out of that is 18 points. That's mm-hmm. the maximum you could get. In those matches last year, Arsenal got five points, mm-hmm. Liverpool had six, City yep. got seven, and Chelsea got 16. Yeah. Chelsea totally screwed themselves a year ago. And that's why I think they're going to win. I think a lot of things went wrong for them, both self-inflicted and just a bit of unluckiness. I think City was also quite lucky at times. Yes. Uh, I think I think Liverpool got unlucky a bit at times. If I know I hate to bring it up, but if Gerard doesn't slip, 
Maybe they they at least get a point against Chelsea. And quite frankly, they sh- as as much as you can call it a choke job against Palace to let yep. them come back down from three nil. The in the, odds in the, last, in the last twelve minutes, yeah, exactly. The I would love to see what the odds are because the odds of that happening were probably maybe three percent. Um, I, mean, I, I it, it was absolutely mind boggling. So I th- I think just Man City was fortunate last year. I still think they're going to finish second because uh, I just think they they just have the talent and they have the money to basically buy whoever they want. Liverpool, I, I think. Well, and real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt you here. I think this is the year. I think this is the year too. I think City makes a big run in Europe this uh, this uh, this season. Right, and that and can I, take away a little bit of the uh, focus on domestic. Agreed, and I think I think you were bang on about Liverpool. Uh, I've seen a lot of people saying that because they lost Suarez, they won't be as good as they were last year. I think that in some ways it will be addition by subtraction. You do lose that match winner who in the 82nd minute, if it's 1-1, you can just give the ball to him and you win the game. Um, you do lose that. I think you're better overall, though. I will even say this. I am predicting Liverpool make it to the knockout round of the Champions League. Okay. I'm, I'm going, and that's another reason because you were talking about the toll Europe's going to take. I think, I think having to play that many matches and make it into the knockout round mm-hmm. is is going to wear on them. Uh, the one good thing is, I believe if you make it to the knockout round and you lose, you you don't go to Europa, so mm-hmm. you can avoid that. But I do think, and I think they're going to also make a run at one of the domestic cups, maybe even getting to the semifinals or finals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be, I think, a big year for Liverpool, but I also think they're going to finish third in the league. Yep. Um, fourth, this is where we start to get a little different. I'm going to take Spurs. Oh, you believe? I believe! I believe that we will win enough games to finish in fourth place. Um, You're going to steal Arsenal's trophy. We are. We are going to do it. With himself, you're stealing his trophy. We are going to steal it, and we are going to light that paper on fire in front of him, uh, and it's going to be glorious. Uh, I, I, I just, I like all the signs they've made. I like that Soldado is going to have a year under his belt now in the Premier League. I like that maybe Adebayor will will actually have a full healthy year and might even give a crap the entire year under Poch. Uh, I'm very excited about what Mauricio is bringing to this team. Um, as much as you can't take into preseason games into account, and I'm certainly not putting much into that 6-1 win over Celtic, the other matches made me really start to believe that there's something building here. What I saw from Lamella in those preseason matches was really great. Him linking up with Soldado is mm-hmm. really, really exciting to watch. I think we can score goals this year. I think we've shored up the back line enough. I think Vorm is a Vorm is a great uh, second uh, keeper who can guide us through the the domestic tournaments as well as Europa. Um, I think Loris is still world class in the back, even the one out of every thirty times when he does something incredibly stupid. Uh, the other twenty nine out of thirty, he's world class. I think this is a team where if they they can take that next step. And I think they might be able to pass some people this year. Um, I in fifth, I am going to take Arsenal. I I, I think that this is this is the year. You know, there, there's too many good feelings for Arsenal right now. A little a little too much hot for a team that really could have almost finished fifth last year, and really they've won two paper trophies uh, in the Community Shield and the FA Cup. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, 
So I or as they call it the Champions League. They didn't. They didn't win the Champions League. Well, I said they call it the Champions League. Oh yes, 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 the Champions League. That much, much more prestigious than the Champions League. Well, it's because it's only teams from England, so of course it had to be more prestigious than the Champions League. Exactly. Uh, um, sixth. This might surprise you a little bit. I'm going to take Everton. Okay. I'm I'm going to take Everton. And I'm going to take Man City seventh. I I, you, you I mean Man United, of course. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. I didn't. I I, wrote, I was going to write down Man City. I don't know why, but I did mean Man United. I there's something about watching that team that feels like they're just they're playing at full capacity against teams that are playing at half capacity right now. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they went out for the summer tournament with everything to prove and firing on all cylinders, and we're going to take this 100%. We want to win the Guinness Cup, and we really want to beat Valencia and all this stuff. And it's like, the, the, like I go back to that first half against Liverpool and the championship of the Guinness Cup. Um, the first 45 minutes, Liverpool outclassed them bar none. And mm-hmm. that, if I'm going to put my faith in something, especially when both teams are coming off a game 48 hours earlier... I'm going to put my faith in the 45 minutes when people are have fresh legs, as fresh as they're going to be, mm-hmm. and and when there's still a bit of that. And for those first 45, Liverpool outclassed them. I, I think Van Hall is going to turn this club around. I think he's a year away from doing it. I'm, I see them finishing in seventh. Uh, and we can cut to about a month and a half from now when they've haven't lost a match yet and I look like an idiot. But at the same token, I, I, I just I have this weird feeling about United this year. I, I just I, I don't think they're as good as we've as they they've looked in the preseason. As as the preseason has made them look, I should say. Well I completely hope you're correct on that. Um <laughs> and actually if it came to that the United I would rather see in seventh would would once again be Newcastle. <laughs> Let's see man United keep falling down. Um <clears throat> You know, once again, I just I, I've I've just got this feeling that Man United is not done with their shopping this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, a, they've gone back in for Di Maria, which would be a really good piece for them. Absolutely. They're still connected somewhere to Arturo Vidal. Um, from everything we've heard about how much money uh, they had to spend this summer, they could conceivably come out with both of those players and still add another one or two somewhere along the way. Um, they're definitely still looking for another central central defender. It looks like, um, and what I'd say, you know, by by August thirty first, we could be changing our tune. Mm-hmm. But um, as yeah, of right now, now, we agree. I mean, for right now, um, I, I don't believe United's getting back into that top four, and you don't believe they're getting back above seven. So I, I just I don't see besides besides an upgrade coach how they're that much better than they were last year. Um, yeah, the one thing you got to hope maybe is for a strong year, strong return year from Van Persie. Yeah. Uh, Herrera bringing something extra to that midfield for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they've lost a few guys. It seems like they haven't overly replaced that much. Yeah. Um, as far as my bottom four, I, I didn't rank them. I'm just, I'm just throwing them all in, uh, in a four. I'm going to put Burnley. I, I like what you say. I think, they're going to struggle heavily this year, and I think they're going to go right back down. Uh, QPR, I actually think QPR is going to struggle. 
Uh, under 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 old Ari. Under Ari. Old Ari. Well, Ari's there. Ari. Future, future never will be manager of England, Ari. Uh, I think Aston Villa will be in trouble this year. I haven't liked anything they've done in the transfer window. Uh, I think, and I think they are just they're just not looking good. Uh, I'm also I'm a little concerned about Sunderland. Uh, they they pulled off a bit of an escape act last year, and I'm wondering. And they they kind of also did it in 2013. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they can keep doing that without getting uh, significantly better. Although although I'm sure at, at the Stadium of Light they will dare to Josie. Well, I mean, and you know that is one. Could Josie maybe come around this year and turn mm-hmm. into? I mean, obviously, I don't believe he's going to turn into Daniel Sturridge or. Diego Costa here, but maybe, you know, maybe he turns into 10, 11, 12 goal score and a guy who can hold up play and do what he needs to do for him. It's possible. Uh, I think, I think he and hopefully the 14 million pound Fabio Barini um, (laughs) could, uh, you know, form a pretty good little strike force up top for some. I I do also like what you said about Lester. I, I I think they have, they can be this year's crystal palace. I think where they could conceivably finish maybe twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, good good things. Good things we've heard about Leicester. Uh, they were really good. They were a good championship side last year, mm-hmm. and apparently, I think they've done some good things to kind of upgrade themselves over the summer. Absolutely. So that is our look. Of course, first week, uh, first match week is this Saturday. So go out to your local bar, go out to your local sports place, uh, and watch the Premier League. Rejoice in the glory that is Rebecca Lua. Uh, rejoice as they welcome the Men in Blazers to the NBC Sports Network. Uh, we'll, we'll miss you at ESPN, boys, but we're we're happy to see what could become the holy trinity of, of soccer coverage now in Lua, Bennett, and Davies. Oh, and Arlo. Be, oh, that's right. I forgot. Oh, it's it's a holy quadrinity. Quadrinity. Oh. Hey, hey, hey! Let's not forget Ted Lasso. <laughs> Ted Lasso. Oh, <laughs> that would be great if we get him back in the league every week. That'd be wonderful. It's a holy five point star. Um, so we'll move on from that. Uh, we'll talk about a little f- some other football. Um, NFL style. There are preseason games. Uh, they happened. They, they took place. And now I'm going to move on to baseball. Uh, Wes, the playoff races are really starting to heat up now as we hit the middle of August. Uh, looking around the league right now, Baltimore leads the AL East by six and a half games now over Toronto. Uh, Kansas City now leading the Central a half game over Detroit. Oakland three and a half up on the Angels of Anaheim. Uh, your current wildcard teams from the American League right now would be the Angels and either Seattle or Detroit. Uh, so very big fall right now for Detroit. Over in the National League, Washington leads Atlanta by five games. Milwaukee is a game and a half up on Pittsburgh, and the Dodgers are five and a half up on San Francisco. Uh, the two wildcard spots right now would go to Pittsburgh and either St. Louis or San Francisco. So still about 40 <clears throat> games, 30 to 40 games left for every team, Wes. Um, who do you see making some noise and a run to the playoffs in the American League and the National League? Um, well, you know, I think I said last week, um, I, I put Oakland in as my favorite mm-hmm. in the American League. Uh, Lester has proven thus far to be just a brilliant trade for the, for the A's. He's been fantastic. Um, 
Detroit is the one really who's worrying me right now because suddenly, you know, what was supposed to be their strength, that pitching, uh, Verlander was horrible the other night. Not only horrible, uh, has been dealing with a bit of shoulder inflammation. Uh, they're, they're, they're optimistic about it, but still that's a troubling sign. Oh, man, he's just been terrible. And uh, said the other night, I don't believe he broke 90. Which for Verlander, that's like usually what he does in his warming up his curveball. So, yes. <laughs> you know, just not not a good sign suddenly for Detroit. Um, I still think they've got a good chance to get in. Um, I just think the American League, uh, I, I think Baltimore is kind of a paper tiger. <laughs> I mean, nothing the against them. Yes, the this comes from a Red Sox fan. Do you mean the table is fake for them? Yes, I believe it's a false table in the East. <laughs> I think they're going to win just because I don't think anybody else in the East is very good. True, very true. I would agree with that. Toronto's completely fallen off the wagon here. Yeah, and somehow the Red Sox are still only 15 games back. So, yeah. I mean, you know, as bad as they've been, they're still sort of mathematically there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Texas, obviously, is the barren wasteland of baseball this year. Um, those guys are going nowhere. I, I think we're going to still end up Anaheim, Oakland, um, Detroit, and Baltimore. I think are going to be the four that we go to the um, division series with. Uh, Kansas City's been really good, though. Um, I, I'm impressed with Kansas City. I just I don't think they're going to get past that wild card game. Um, Washington... Washington is maybe the most derided first place team I've ever heard of. <laughs> I mean, literally, I've heard nothing good about Washington. All you hear about is how terrible Bryce Harper's been, even though maybe he's starting to come around here lately. Um, they're quietly really good. Mm-hmm. They're really good. Um, I still think Los Angeles is the class of the National League. Mm-hmm. And that's just because they've just got so much more talent than everyone else. Right, because they've just been able to buy so many more players. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a Los Angeles Washington National League Championship Series, if that's what we could, if that's what we could get, mm-hmm. um, I think that could be really cool. I think that could be really cool. So yeah, uh, we could we could totally have that right now. The way the records are set up, I, I still uh, see, I still see my all California World Series though. So. I, I think it'd be a fantastic arms race if we got that NLCS. I I actually I like Baltimore in the East. Um, uh-huh. Coming out of there, I think oh, I think that's something anybody else is good enough. Well, and I, what I also mean is I think the East being down this year. I uh-huh. think in years past the East could really beat you up a little bit, uh-huh. but I, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think Baltimore can actually maybe go into the playoffs a little bit fresher. Uh, I don't think they'll be the the team to come out of the American League, but I could see Baltimore making the American League Championship Series and then like losing to Oakland. Um, mm-hmm. I could see that happening. Kansas City has been very streaky this year. Uh, right now they're nine and one. I I mean I remember back in maybe late May, early June. We were talking about, oh man, the Detroit needs to watch out for Kansas City. They're right there, and and now they have a big four game series coming up with each other. And then Kansas City fell off, and Detroit opened up about a seven or eight game lead, and now Kansas City's back up like this. It's it's been very streaky, and that worries me for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they can hold on, 
Oakland does still look like the class of the American League, uh, and they would actually be right now my pick to win the World Series. I, I think they're just, they're just, their pitching is too good, and they can hit just enough. And then on the loan front today, John Lester uh, did yes. announce that uh, he he would yes. he would definitely be uh, open to resigning with the Reds. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and obviously we love John Lester. Why would you say that out loud at this? <laughs> you know, you're in Oakland, you're doing great, vibes uh, are good. Well, yeah, I like it here, but I'm definitely open to resign with the Red Sox. Yeah. Just say no comment, I'll talk to you in October. Exactly. It, I'll talk to you after I've won back-to-back rings with two different clubs. Yeah. And then and then I'll go win a third straight next year with Boston. Ah, exactly. So, so, you know, but um, yeah, I agree. Agreeance, agreeance all around. All right. Well, let's we're gonna we're gonna shift gears here, and as I said, we're gonna we're gonna hit now maybe the most depressing zeitgeist of all time. Uh, we are going to start by dipping our toes into the water. We we can't just dive into any of these stories. We're gonna dip our toes in. This uh, we're gonna to do with Shark Week, does it? You know? Dude. No, God, no. I'm so over Shark Week being a thing. But I do enjoy living every day like it's Shark Week. Sure. That's a Tracy Morgan quote if you needed to go there. I did not know that. Um, We're going to start the zeitgeist with a little bit more soccer. Uh, But this was something that happened after uh, just after uh, last week's pod went up. It was Wednesday night. Uh, I was like, oh, it's that MLS All-Star game is on. Oh, they're through the first half? I'll watch the second half, sure. And I saw the MLS come back to get a 2-1 win over Bayern Munich. Uh, there, unfortunately, were a few challenges by the MLS All-Stars, including ones in the second half by Osvaldo Alonso and Will Johnson uh, that were not uh, given cards for. And Bayern coach Pep Guardiola was very miffed about going over to MLS All-Star and Portland Timbers head coach uh, Caleb Porter and demonstratively asking him what is going on from the side of the bench. Uh, and then at the end of the match, uh, as Porter went to go shake uh, Guardiola's hand, uh, Guardiola gave him the Dikembe Mutombo finger wave and basically just ignored Porter. And, and even the assistant coaches told Porter, don't do it. Don't shake his hand. Don't come any closer. Basically, it seemed like a very douche move um, on Guardiola's part. That's good. That, that is Pep. And unfortunately, I've, I've seen a lot of people coming to his defense when, well, when you're a world-class coach and one of the best three coaches in the world and, and you have this happening, you can do whatever you want. Who's Caleb Porter? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to act like a douche because of it. And it, especially when it wasn't Caleb Porter's fault. And I think uh, Taylor Twellman, and I feel like we're saying this more and more recently, Taylor Twelman hit the nail on the head. Um, oh, Guardiola is he turning into a solid analyst. I think he is not only a solid analyst; he's breaking stories. He Jesus. broke the DeAndre Yedlin signing. Jesus, Jesus! Uh, our our young boys growing up, Wes. Uh, but he, oh, he said played, he played in Sweden. Yes, uh, he, under the tutelage of Zlatan. Um, he, what he said was. It wasn't Caleb Porter, and if you want, if Guardiola wants to go out and talk to uh, Alonzo or Johnson after the match and yell at them and say, "What are you doing?" That's fine because they were the ones that did it. But to not shake Porter's hand after the match 
was terrible and classless and unfortunately like you said is is something we shouldn't be too surprised from pep what what bothers me more is people defending him and telling him he, it's okay because Caleb Porter's just an MLS coach i let, let me get your your super hot fire hot takes on this um you know i i disagree with what the MLS team did in that game. I do think they were overly physical. And to me now, that's somewhat of the problem with having that match. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you've got Bayern Munich who they're in their preseason, they're gearing up. You've got the MLS all-stars who, while no, they're not a normal team altogether. These guys are in mid season form and this is their stage. Exactly. Their stage to say, Hey, Hey, we took down, you know, the best team in Germany and maybe the best team in Europe. Yeah, we took them down. So you've just, you know, the Major League All-Star Game, the NBA All-Star Game, the uh, the artist formerly known as the Pro Bowl, at least in those, everyone is on the same level. Mm. You know, as to their preparedness and kind of the way they're playing the game. With this, it was totally different. Um, I think, you know, as for the MLS team, yeah, they were a little over anxious. They did some things that, in a normal, in a normal, in the course of the season, wouldn't be a problem. But at this point, you know, maybe maybe you pull up a little bit for these European guys just because they're not at where you are fitness level wise. Right. That said, the fact that anyone tells Guardiola, "Well, you can get away with this because you're this guy and he's this guy." That just overall, that just sickens me. Just as a human being, I mean, you know, congratulations, you know, Pep, you you have had a great career as a coach. You are a top manager, but you know, we're all human beings here. Mm-hmm. Act like a freaking human being. Yeah, it it was just a terrible display, and and what I I would call a black eye on what could have been a very exciting story. Uh, the MLS coming back on, as you said, a, a Bayern team that is that is in training mode. They are they are still in their preseason, uh, but still a a a win that you would have thought going in, you know, you could have seen Bayern maybe winning something like three nil or three one, and the MLS ends up winning two one, um, which could have been a great story, one that probably would have been blown out of proportion because again, it is just a friendly and Bayern is in preseason. <laughs> But still, it would have been a cool mark for the league, and yet this is what it turns into. Um, I actually, Clint Dempsey was on the Men in Blazers podcast when they were doing their live show up in Portland. Uh, I actually liked one of his ideas, uh, go back to East-West for the All-Star game. Don't bring a foreign side over for this. Go East-West, or if you're going to bring a foreign side over, maybe do uh, League MX, because uh, I believe Mexico's league runs the same schedule as the MLS. So you're doing if you do that, at least both teams are in midseason form. Well, but of course, the thing you're looking at is you know, um, it, it, all that's driving everything is the money. I mean, it's of it's just like college. It's like college football, college athletics. I mean, money's driving everything. It's a money grab for the European sides. Uh, it's an exposure money grab for um, you know MLS uh, because I mean, if you play, hey, you play Monterey or something from Mexico. Versus the MLS All Stars, I mean, truly, Ed, is that going to get you to tune in? 
No, I, well, when I suggested, I was suggesting League MX All Stars. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, that, and I, I, but I know what you mean. You're right. You're right. Even you're right. that, I mean, that has a very, that, that's a very limited appeal. Now right. that would get a lot of appeal, obviously, with your, um, you know, your Mexican um, viewership, which of course are big in the United States. Um, you know, that would help that end, but you're not going to get the casual. You know, you, you're not getting me on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I consider myself obviously much more than a casual European soccer fan. Um, you're not getting me to watch the MLS All-Stars versus the Liga MX All-Stars. It's just not happening. <laughs> I'm going to tune in to see Munich play. Not saying that I agree that they're doing it, but I'm still going to tune in to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a catch-22 because MLS, they want the exposure. They want, they want the money. Uh, they want the people talking about things. Um, but it is most definitely not a perfect system. No, and that's that's something that's going to continue to have to be refined. Um, maybe I I don't know if you could maybe move it to after the season, sort of like the Pro Bowl has done for the NFL. Well, uh, the, their seasons are not their seasons exactly. Are so well, and what what I my mean, first after the season for MLS? I mean, you're looking. You know the quarter way mark of the Premier League. Well, my first thought for that was if you do it because uh, I believe doesn't uh, Germany take a winter break? Germany does, yeah. So you could do it if you, and obviously I think the MLS Cup is actually like in the first week of November. Mm-hmm. But if you had the MLS Cup in like December, then you could maybe play the All Star Game down. Now that they have, they're about to have a franchise in Orlando. Uh-huh. Play it in Orlando. Bring in Germany, one of the German teams over their winter break. That way, they're still, you know, want, they're still pretty close in form. Then, mm-hmm. well, and of course, the German teams, the Spanish teams, they will play some exhibitions. At the same time, you know, they want to give their guys time off. Of course, I mean that's really what they use that for. I mean, are you still going to get a top? You know, I mean, is is Pep? Is he going to throw Ribery out there? Is he going to throw uh, Mueller? I mean, is he going to throw all his top guys out there? For, once again, it's an exhibition for them. Right. Um, where where they once again they have nothing to prove. The MLS All Stars have everything in the world to prove. You know, Munich, Dortmund, Leverkusen, they have nothing to prove at that point. Yeah, it's it's a situation that it turned ugly, but it, it, it does shed a light on some of the issues of the current MLS All Star game. To which, as you could tell by our discussion, there's no true answer to. Unfortunately, uh, there's no. there's no way you can just make it better. For for all parties, mm-hmm. and that's that's the unfortunate thing. Unless unless we just have a uh, skills competition or something, maybe maybe we that and we just hardest, ended with the shoot. hardest slap shot. Oh yeah, oh yes, fa- fastest around the cones. Love it. All right, um, let's let's now we dipped our toe in to controversy. We'll uh we'll we'll, we'll get in waist deep now. Uh, of course, this past weekend. Uh, there was an unfortunate accident uh, in NASCAR. Tony Stewart uh, ran down Kevin Ward Jr. A- after a race in which Kevin Ward Jr. got out of his car to confront Stewart while he was still in his car at Canandaga Motorsports Park. Um, unfortunately, even though there the initial findings have turned up nothing to indicate criminal intent on the part of Tony Stewart, uh, legal experts still make clear that second-degree manslaughter charges could be brought under New York law if prosecutors believe he, quote, recklessly caused the death 
of another person with negligent homicide another possibility. Um, I believe we saw, not this exact thing, because this is nothing to do with NASCAR, but we saw Dante Stallworth uh, maybe three or four years ago get convicted of manslaughter for accidentally running over a man and killing him in his car. Um, so this, this kind of thing does have precedence. Unfortunately, this one just happened to take place on a racetrack. Uh, very, very tragic story. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts? I mean, is, and of course the, a big story also became with Stuart race on Sunday at first he was going to, and then he decided not to. And now the question has become, when will he actually race again? Um, I do. And I actually, I have a pretty, uh, I have a pretty strong opinion of it. Once that guy got out of his car and walked onto a racetrack, Buddy, at that point, you're losing a lot of this so-called, oh, you have to get out of the way for pedestrians. Um, no. You're in the middle of a freaking racetrack. And when those guys are going, quote, slow on TV, they're driving like you and I drive on I-95. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're going 75, 80 miles an hour. That's when they slow down. This guy, I mean, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to stomp on the dead here. But the young man lost his temper. He went out there. He tr- he tried to do something to show off and act like he was a big man. And you know, I, I'm I'm in Tony Stewart's corner on this. Um, you know, I think it was a very unfortunate accident. But I I just feel that once once that kid got out of his car and went onto the track, I mean, I just see. I, I just I lose a lot of feeling that Tony Stewart really could help what happened at that point. We, we've seen this before. We've seen – there. there's a famous example. I don't remember the, the drivers involved, but there's a famous example of a driver getting out of his car and throwing his race helmet at, mm-hmm. a, at, at a driver driving by. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean this is – this is something that I think NASCAR has a problem with, and you can say, "Oh, you know, tempers flare, and this is what happens." Well, you you can't let this happen. I don't know if the and the the problem is because of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can like strap them in or or lock their doors no. so that they can't get on the racetrack. So, I, I I think Ward made a tremendous mistake. I also think Stewart just. I, I don't. I don't know exactly what happened. I haven't seen exactly what happened. Um, I don't know if you have. Um, it's it's unfortunate that it's come to this. I I wonder if Stewart could have made if Stewart truly made every effort he could have to get out of the way. I would assume he did, but I, I have conflicting feelings about it. I just he shouldn't have gotten out of his car, but I. I I, I, I want to believe this still could have been avoided. Well, and, you know, I believe in that as well. But, you know, it, I mean, I've got kids, man. You know, I've got a nine-year-old. I've got a nine-year-old, the boy, who uh, has not made it through the podcast, has now passed out on the couch in the den. But, you know, I mean, the boy's nine. I tell him, you know, every few days we get to talking about something. And, you know, I make a point somewhere in there, you know, the decisions that you make have consequences. You know, really big decisions could have really bad consequences. You know, at the end of the day, this was a, I believe the guy was 20, 21 years old. You're old enough 
to take responsibility for yourself. You can be as bad as you want to be. You can want to punch Tony Stewart's lights out after the race. But he made the conscious decision, I'm going to get out of the car and act like a jackass. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, the consequences, consequences happened. And that, to me, that was the consequence. Do you, do you think do you think uh, Stewart will face secondary manslaughter charges or or something to that effect? Do you think he will be charged for it? I just uh, being the legal expert, I am. Yes, thanks, uh, Roger Cossack. I'm, I'm just I'm great like that. The, the most legal I know is uh, I've got to get out of a speeding ticket in a week or two. Um, I just I don't know if you can have any way to prove any intent. Or to prove that, you know, he did something reckless. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just going to say no because I just hope common sense prevails out of this. Yeah, it's 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 going to be very interesting to follow this. And uh, and obviously his decision to rate, he didn't. He decided not to race Sunday. I almost think, I, I, I don't think you suspend him. I don't see I think how, he, it, I'll see how consciously he could race the rest of the season. Though. Exactly. That's me. If I... I no matter whether you meant to do it or not, the fact is he did take another person's life in a in his vehicle, and and again that's that's not saying he meant to, but it happened. And if it was me, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't get back in a car. I might not be able to drive to race to race ever again. I don't I don't think I could be mentally strong enough to get past that barrier. Uh, I don't think you suspend him. As, I mean, uh, uh, provided he doesn't get charged with anything, but I, th I think personally he should take off at least the rest of the year. I can see that happening. Tony Stewart, Tony Stewart's a different kind of guy. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's a top notch, you know, NASCAR driver, you know, call an athlete, however you want to look at it. And those guys, man, to be the best at something competitive like that, they're wired a little differently than the rest of us. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, apparently from everything I kind of understood, Tony Stewart didn't really make the decision not to race on Sunday until there was a little pressure put on him. Maybe you shouldn't do this today. Right. <laughs> I think he was completely prepared to go out and drive on Sunday, which uh, you know I don't agree with. He should not have been driving on Sunday. Um, and he probably should at the least sit out for the rest of the season. But, you know, as far as never coming back, listen, man, those guys are uh, – those guys are just—they're wired a little different than you and I. Yeah, and that's will, what makes great. So that's the thing. Exactly. Um, so we'll keep you guys updated on that as more news on that comes through, uh, and we 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 kind of end the most depressing of zeitgeists um, with, of course, the terrible uh, tragedy of the news of Robin Williams' unfortunate passing. Uh, it has come out that he uh, he took his own life uh, this past Monday. Um, he was 63 years old. Of course, Williams, a, a fantastic comedic actor in many movies. Uh, Good Morning Vietnam, Patch Adams. Uh, he was the genie in Aladdin for Disney. Uh, he was in Goodwill Hunting. He was in Dead Poet Society. He was in The Birdcage. He was in Jumanji. He was in Jack. Uh, he was in tons and tons of movies. He was in Mrs. Doubtfire. Um <sighs> Which, of course, spawned uh, one of our favorite uh, characters ever in a television series, uh, Mrs. Featherbottom. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, it, this is, of course, you know, a terrible, a terrible loss. Um, what, 
what are your thoughts, Wes, and what what are your memories as well? To not be uh, su- to not have this be such a downer, but more of a a remembrance as well. Well, you know, um, I was I'm a diehard Good Morning Vietnam fan. Um, I'm a I'm a military movie guy to start with. Yes, um, I've I've been a radio guy in the past. And so Good Morning Vietnam just ticks off a lot of boxes for me. Um, was one of my was one of those first movies, you know, when I was growing up. Of course, it came out when I was a kid. And, mm-hmm. Mom, Dad, I want to watch this. No, you can't watch this. <laughs> Years later, oh, okay, now I see why I couldn't watch this. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> um, Good Morning Vietnam, just one of my absolute favorites. Um, Goodwill Hunting, I, I love Goodwill Hunting, and that's actually one of my favorite all time scenes. Goodwill Hunting, where he's talking about, you know, where he met his wife in a bar and, you know, basically gave up his ticket to uh, Game Six of the '75 World Series at Fenway. Right. And said, I'd do it, you know, basically in so many words, said, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. It was worth every second of it. Um, he was an absolute genius who could go from the most insane, out of control, you know, crazy human being on earth to coming up with truly some of the greatest dramatic acting you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're, we are going to miss him. You know, it's not like we sat here every day, oh, when's a new Robin Williams movie coming out? True man, suddenly he would just pop up and something you'd be like, oh, that's great. And, um, you know, one of those more dramatic movies he was in, I'll, I'll kind of end what I'm going to say about him with, with a quote from one of his movies. Um, the movie, What Dreams May Come. Uh, he said, thank you for gracing our life with your lovely presence, for adding the sweet measure of your soul to our existence. And um, I just think that's a fitting quote for, you know, Robin Williams. He was a man, you know, like I say, he might not have been your favorite actor, but he touched you somewhere. And I've never met anyone who didn't enjoy at least something that he did. I I, I still remember one of my favorite movies, my favorite movies growing up was Aladdin. Uh, I uh-huh. absolutely loved it. It was such a great movie. It's probably my first true animated movie that I really clung to. I've, I've probably seen it a hundred times. I, I love I love the genie. He's such a great character, and Robin Williams <laughs> is just fantastic. The, the amount of ad-libbing they said he did in it was just tremendous and hysterical. And, and he's just—it's—he's gonna be—he's going to be very tough to replace, you know. And and like you said, he hadn't been doing that many great movies lately. But you always—you heard whenever you saw him either doing his stand-up. Or going on like one of the late night shows, you always got kind of excited, just just to see where he was going to go. And never, it's you never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. So. No, didn't know this. He was actually in a 1996 uh, film version of Hamlet uh, that included other people such as Richard Attenborough, uh, Billy Crystal, Judy Dench, Gerard Depardieu, um, Charlton Heston, uh, Derek Jacoby. Uh, Michael Maloney, John Mills, uh, Andrew Schofield, uh, and Kate Winslet. So a very, very strong Hamlet uh, group there for one, of course, of the uh, the most famous of Shakespeare's plays. I, I just it's 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 a shame. Um, you know, he he dealt with drug abuse, he dealt with alcoholism, and uh, he he dealt with depression, and unfortunately. This is what happened. He was. He always seems so frenetic 
in his comedy, and that was you. You could tell there there might be something back in there that was just uh, that 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 depression could be back there, and he managed it pretty well for so long, and, and it's just unfortunate that this is this is how his story ends, but. He he just gave us so many great moments. We haven't even mentioned Mork and Mindy, um, obviously. Oh, nanu. nanu nanu. Um, so it's it's terrible that this has happened. Um, hopefully he's now in a better place, and the world will just be a little less funny without him in it. Okay, Wes, that's 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 enough of the sadness, enough of the pain, enough of the evil in this world. Please, please, please regale us. Please, we are our tears of Robin Williams's untimely death have lubricated us and got us ready for this week's so raw. Set it up this week and set up SummerSlam. Well, Ed, now be careful what you say when you said the tears have lubricated us. Apparently, Cristiano Ronaldo's ears perked up all the way around the world. Creep. What a guy. Okay, Ed, I'm going to give you a quick so raw this week because I've been giving you the build-up the last few weeks. Um, This past Monday night, the build-up came to a head. It was the go-home show on Raw. It's time for uh, SummerSlam. SummerSlam is going to be Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. The Hollywood SummerSlam coming on. Um course our main event uh the much hyped now john cena defending the wwe world heavyweight title against uh brock lesnar brock lesnar uh what's always scary is that you never know what you know wrestling of course may not quite be the most realistic thing on earth (laughs) but when you put brock lesnar in there you never truly know <laughs> what might not be real. <laughs> yes, uh, Lesnar kind of has this um, this way about him where you know you might actually be getting a concussion while he's raining blows down a body. <laughs> um, that's going to be your world title match. I think that's going to be that's going to be uh, very brutal. Maybe not the world's greatest wrestling match, but mm. you're just going to see two guys just beat the hell out of each other in that. Um, your undercard, the biggest ones on the undercard, Roman Reigns and Randy Orton. And our push for Roman Reigns at SummerSlam comes to a head this Sunday night yes. as he takes on the Viper Randy Orton in what should be another brutal beat em up, beat em down kind of match. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. This is one they've been building too hard. Um, the one I'm most looking forward to, uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins. It's going to be a lumberjack match. Now, Ed, that does not mean that they're going to come out there and flannel and eat pancakes. Uh, what that means, a lumberjack match, means that um, the ring will be surrounded by other wrestlers. So anytime one of the competitors is thrown out of the ring for any means or tries to escape the ring, uh, he will summarily have the oh. beaten out of him and will be thrown back in the ring by said other competitors. Ah. So basically what this does, it gives you no time to rest. It gives you no escape. I think it's going to really um, cut down on some of those, some of that dead time that you get in matches. Um, so it should be, I think it's going to be a lot of high impact. To me, that's match of the night. We've been waiting for it for two months and we're finally going to get it. Um 
the big grudge match, Brie Bella. Mm. Finally getting her hands on uh, Stephanie McMahon. Yes. Um, that That's just going to be a knockdown, drag out, uh, bitch versus bitch fight, I believe. Mm, fine. Uh, you know, more stuff thrown on the fire on that this week, but it kind of lost me. I didn't really care for it, so I'm not even going to talk about it. Uh, it's going to be a good fight. Uh, if you enjoy watching chicks just beat the oh. shit out of each other, I think you'll have a good one there. Uh, Bray Wyatt versus Chris Jericho should be a good one. Um, I just, I think uh, The Miz, Intercontinental Champ, The Miz, now a Hollywood star after starring in the Marine three mm. or four. I can't really yes. remember which one they just did, but he is Mr. Hollywood now. Don't touch the moneymaker. That's how he puts it. Uh, taking on Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler, one of the absolute better in-ring performers that you'll find. Uh, that should be a good match for a title. So that's kind of your uh, that's your nickel SummerSlam preview. I'm looking forward to it. We'll get a little more raw next week uh, after after what I believe is going to be a massive Monday Night Raw, and uh, we're going to really see some shakeups. Uh, your your new favorite wrestler off the back of um, uh, whatever the Guardians of the Galaxy movie that you saw, I believe he will be yes. back in a week's time. Good old 94-year-old good old, good old Dave Bautista, who <laughs> apparently eats breakfast every morning with Samuel Eto'o, uh, will most likely be back next week. So that'll be one to keep an eye on. But, uh, uh, absolutely. It's good to see Dave Bautista bringing a real uh, uh, union versus confederacy feel to it, it's considering he fought in that war. <sighs> he did. He did. Fought, bled, almost died twice. Still alive. Well, it was already a veteran by that war from uh, fighting those years um, with Columbus coming over in 1492. You can't kill Batista. You can't kill him. You can only hope to contain him. Oh, good. So, so in five words or less, as we end as we end so raw here, uh, who's who's winning SummerSlam, uh, Cena or Lesnar? The Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun, and I cannot wait to get your takes after SummerSlam as well as Monday Night Raw next week on the podcast. Uh, we're going to finish up here. Uh, quick programming note. We mentioned it on the Facebook page. Thanks to producer Des for posting that earlier today. Uh, our normal podcasting day is now going to actually become Wednesdays, not to date these podcasts, but we're going to be doing them on Wednesdays now and bringing them to you Thursdays. So those will be uh, the regular times from now on. We'll also be that'll be pretty good. Uh, once the season kicks off, we'll have all the Champions League results. We'll be able to preview Europa and the week's uh, Premier League matches a little more easily. Um, so that'll be really good working out for us. Of course, uh, get us on the social media. I mentioned Facebook. That's facebook.com slash allnewsportshow. Uh, Twitter, at allnewsportshow. Wes, put yourself over on that. At Wes Bradshaw 21 on the Twitter. And um, I'm always looking for friends on Facebook. I'm Wes Bradshaw. There you go. I'm Edward Green, and I'm at Edward Green on the Twitter. Uh, if you want to find us other media places, get us on Instagram, instagram.com slash allnewsportshow. Uh, I believe I'm Instagram.com slash Edward Green. Or if you're just in the Instagram app, you can just search for Edward Green 1, I believe. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. 
uh, youtube.com slash the all new sports show. Uh, all the interviews, by the time you listen to this, I believe all the interviews we showed on last Sunday's edition of the all new sports show, uh, will be live. So you can go check those out. And, uh, I believe on Friday, the full episode, uh, entitled the Paul Durham show, the pilot, um, <laughs> will be, will be on our Facebook page for you to check out as well as our YouTube page. Of course, you can always email us all new sports show at gmail.com and mail us, uh, your Ravens, your letters, your parcels, no live animals to 1701 Sunset Avenue, suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Oh, Wes, we we've had a long podcast. It's it's had its ups, it's had its downs, but in the end, I think one of our best yet. And thanks to producer Des for staying up with us on this Wednesday night to get it done. So, Wes, I mean, any like he really has much of a life outside of this. So. That's true. What else do you do? Someone, uh, Clint asked me actually asked me the other day, what else you do when you're not working for us? Okay, I'll get back to you on that. Um, serious? Come on, dude. Come up with something. <laughs> Xbox, Xbox One is not yeah. an activity. Did you know the Xbox One is getting FIFA 15 bundles in Europe? The Xbox One, it's the all-in-one entertainment gaming console from yes, Microsoft. Seriously, talk to a girl once in a while, dude. Talk to a girl. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking, dude. Just once in a while, talk to a girl. Maybe go out, have a beer. Instead of sitting at home eating Chinese takeout and playing Halo all the time, get a we'll, 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 we'll take you to we'll take you to Westridge, and by take you I mean we'll drop you off there because I'm not I'm not actually going to stay there. Way but, past uh, my bedtime at Westridge. Yeah, but you we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll gag you and bound you and throw you out in front at the front door there. We'll throw you out and then we're going down to Harris Theater to get something. <laughs> yeah, but good job on the podcast today, Des. Good job, uh, Wes. Yeah, anything yeah. else to say before we go? Um. Good night, Vietnam. Oh, good night, Vietnam. Good good night, Jeannie. Jeannie, you're free now. Jeannie. Oh. That's, that's, that's a very awesome.